Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Sanbonanis, ninjanis, <laughs> are we well? Good to see you all this morning. Whoa, I just noticed that um, a newly married couple's in the house this morning. Tommy and Sakhan, why don't you stand up and give us a wave? Come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> um, so, they were married on Clifton Second Beach, Third Beach, Third Beach, on uh, what was it, the 19th of, of December, Monday, the 19th of December. And uh, the sun was setting over the ocean. We were, we were standing on this beautiful white beach. And this couple looked absolutely amazing. And it was just such a gorgeous moment. So we congratulate you guys. <laughs> um, hey. Tsakhang. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he was coming, eh? Told you. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful, man. It's so cool. Well, it's good to see you. I'm happy to be back. Happy 2023 to all of you. Um, we're trusting God for a great year. Are you ready for fasting this week? Yes. 100%. How are you going to fast? Do you know? Is it Daniel fasting? Is it dry fasting? What, what are you doing? Are you wise? Have you consulted your physicians? Have you, are you prepared? Yes. Uh, now, now some of you are not prepared after I said that. Take this day and think about it. Make sure you know how you're going to do it. Grab the booklets. This is going to be such a good help to you. They're on sale in the foyer. Um, and I just want to remind you this morning that uh, fasting is not a hunger strike. Amen? <laughs> it's, it's not like starving ourselves uh, so that we can like manipulate God to do what we want Him to do. Okay, that's like not fasting at all. What is fasting? Fasting is what we do to build faith. Why? Well, because faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what moves mountains. Faith is what raises the dead. Faith is what causes the breakthrough. Whenever there was a miracle in the, in the New Testament, it was always attributed to faith. And so fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's an exercise, a practice that we can do to build faith. If you're going to need anything for this year, what do you need? You need faith. Amen. If we want to see miracles, what do we need? Faith. All right. So we're going to go into a faith-building week this week, and I hope to see you guys throughout the evenings, Monday to Friday, as we come together here to, to pray together and trust God for some miracles. So 2023 is here, and our theme for this year as the Every Nation family of churches is the theme of miracles. I mean, when I, you know, this was published last year, when this was published, there's something in my heart that just got so excited when I saw miracles. I just feel, yes, if we're going to have a word for the year, let it be this word, Amen. Can we just say it? Miracles. Miracles, miracles all right? Um, 
So this is our theme for, for the year, and uh, we're going to be preaching on this, uh, on miracles now for the rest of January and even into February. And as Trish said, those, those Wednesday nights are soak nights. We just want to give like an extended period of time to really allow the Word to come into our hearts that we would really start to, see, like a faith would really build in our hearts and we would start to see God do some incredible things. Some mountains need to move this year. Can you say amen to that? Some things have to change in our lives, eh? This is the year, guys. This is the year of breakthrough. This is the year we're going to see those things that have been bothering us for so long. This is the year we're going to get married. This is the year, if we're not yet already, amen, that he will come, that she will come, amen? Come on. We, we need to be a people of faith and expectation for God to do the miraculous amongst us. I... Um, I'm really excited about this topic. When, when I heard this, like as I said, my, my heart was really like, yes, miracles, let's, let's get into it. Why? Well, because when you look at the Bible, it is from cover to cover a book of miracles. I mean, we could, it starts in Genesis with the creation. I mean, isn't creation a miracle? Guys, we're, we're like, we're walking here. We're not like floating into the sky, you know, because gravity is... is Gravity is a miracle. I mean, I, I heard a doctor talk once about how all the, they, they tried to work out a mathematical formula for the birth of a healthy child. And like, all, you think about all the things that need to happen in order for a child to be born healthy, and they put it into a mathematical formula, and it was to infinity, it was impossible. In other words, that every child born is is a miracle. I and mean, sometimes we just miss that. We just miss the fact that we're living in life and creation and we're walking miracles and that God is a miracle working God. And then throughout the Bible, through Genesis, we see seas parting. We see rivers parting. We see animals talking to humans. <laughs> we see some crazy things. We see the sun and the moon standing still at the command of Joshua. We see Elijah calling fire down from heaven. We see the dead being raised. We see miracles of provision. We see miracles of breakthrough in battle against all odds. God comes through and does a miracle and they win. We see miracles of healings, incredible healings that take place. And all of them seem to converge and find their climax in the person of Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. I mean, you just think about the miraculous, from, from his birth, the miraculous conception of Mary, all right, right to his death and then resurrection from the dead, from beginning to end, his life was just packed with the power. It was like there was this explosion of power coming through him because he was the anointed one. And the good news is that after he died and resurrected and ascended, the story doesn't stop there. Miracles continue. The same power that was on Jesus then begins to manifest in his disciples, and they go throughout the world, the world publishing the good news of his death and resurrection, telling everybody about salvation, and God was working with them to do signs and wonders. And the deaf were hearing, and the blind were seeing, and the lame were walking, and demons were being cast out, and, the, and, 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 and everything we saw on Jesus was coming through them as well. Which I don't know about you, when I like think about that, and when I ponder that, I get excited. Why? Well, because I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And which means that the same thing that was there on him and flowing through... We, we, I can start to see that in my life too. I mean, that's really the promise of the New Testament. 
That's why I get excited about this topic. But I must also say that when I did see this topic and I started sermon prepping for it, there was a little bit of anxiety in my heart as well. Why? Well, because this topic of miracles, as wonderful as it is in the Bible, is a highly contentious topic in the church today. I mean, why would it be, you know? But it is. It's a, it's a, it's a highly confusing topic to so many Christians. And even for some, it's a painful topic. Why? Well, because the church today that we call the church globally is divided in two on the issue. On one extreme, you have the church teaching that miracles ended with Jesus. There's no more apostles, there's no more prophets, there's no more signs and wonders, and the Holy Spirit was just for that time, and then it stopped, and then we entered into the church age. And these are respected Jesus-loving people who teach this and preach this with like all their passion and, and they're just like, this is, this is truth to them. I'm sure you know something. I'm not going to mention names here because we don't do that, all right, in this church. Um, but like the, there's this whole stream of like, and when I listen to them, I'm amazed that we're reading the same Bible on this issue. And then on the other extreme, <laughs> we have all these prophets and apostles, and they are doing some miraculous things, and there's Bible in there, like there's the name of Jesus, and there are like scriptures in there, and then, but when you like examine it, and watch it, and like examine their lives, man, you, you, it's all weird. It's like it's, it's Jesus and a whole lot of other things, and it's this self-exaltation, you know, that like the prophet's you know, printing t-shirts with his face on them, you know, and, and so everyone's wearing the face of the prophet, and then they're selling holy water at the back that if you spray it, it does this, and then we're spraying people with doom, and there's all these other weird rituals, uh, like if you just eat this, or you, you know, and it's like, it's, it's just, you know, demons are getting interviewed as well. Who are you? I am Legion. Why are you here? Like we actually believe he's going to tell the truth, you know? It's like the spiritual circus. I mean, it is. It's a circus. It's like it's entertainment, you know? And, and like Jesus is in there, but it's all very weird. Do you know what I'm talking about? So when we talk about miracles, there's these, these two extremes. And sometimes it's a little bit confusing to, to navigate our way into what is a true and biblical definition of miracles, and what is a true and biblical expression of a community of faith that believes in miracles and wants to see God do miraculous things. So my hope today is to clear the confusion. I want to build a theological foundation this morning for our series to come. I hope that my message is going to clear the confusion and maybe even clear the pain in your heart when it comes to this topic of miracles. Why? Well, because I'm aware that many of us here might be sitting and thinking, yeah, there was a time where I really needed a miracle, and it didn't happen. And it happened for Joe, and I believe just like Joe, but it didn't happen for me. Or maybe there's some of you here today, and you try, you believe God was going to do miracles, and you stepped out, and you prayed for someone, and nothing happened. You risked embarrassment. 
And actually, you were embarrassed in the moment. There was this time, I must tell you, where I was like, I'm like, I was just full of like the fire of God. I was like, God heals. This is it. We're going to pray for the sick. I was walking down Musgrave Road, and there was this, this beggar outside one of the fast food places, and you're sitting over there, and he, he didn't have legs. He had these steel poles uh, with shoes on the end, you know, like these prosthetic kind of things. And I was like, let's go. And I got down in the middle of the street, and I laid my hand on those very cold steel poles, and there were people walking up and down, and I began to pray so fervently. I was like, Jesus. And then eventually nothing was happening, and nothing was happening, and nothing was happening, and then people were looking at me, why are you touching this beggar's legs? And eventually I was just like, I had to just like share the gospel and say, you know, Jesus loves you and walk away. And I was so embarrassed. But like, I really believe God was going to grow those legs, you know. How many of you have got a testimony like that? What does that do to you? Just like, ah, I don't want to try again, eh? I don't want to try again after that. But then there are other times where, listen, I haven't even thought about praying for someone and just like reached out and just like, Lord, I pray you heal them. And they were miraculously healed. I'm like, what, you were healed? Yeah. Touched, restored, everything, pain gone. You know, and it's like, well, this is so confusing, this thing. You know, so I'm hoping today that we, we can start building like a theological foundation and we can start building our faith and that we will then, you know, trust God with all the pains and the hurts and all the disappointments of the past that he's gonna heal all of that so that we can be a community of faith. And that we can be a community that celebrates taking risks. You know, we, we celebrate, you know, yes, we celebrate when people get healed, but we also celebrate the fact that you tried, that you stepped out, that you prayed. And, and if it didn't happen, we are the community that says, well, we're gonna try again until we see God manifest, amen? amen. So, um, so we're gonna start in, in Matthew 12. And, and what I wanna do is I... <laughs> Yeah, I want to look at two very contentious scriptures on the topic of miracles. Kind of call them hot potatoes, where I think, you know, a lot of, we read them and then we get confused about this topic of miracles. So I want to just deal with them. And as we deal with them, I'm hoping that we're going to get a, a good, uh, we're going to start to see the purpose of miracles in the Bible and then build a foundation for faith. So let's pray before we get into the Word. You can repeat after me. Say, Father in heaven. I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good, but that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. All right, let's go to Matthew 12, and let's read this, verse 38. It says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it 
except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Talking about his death and resurrection, all right? Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale. Jesus was three days in the belly of the earth before he rose again. So, so you know, a lot of people, have you read this before? Have you ever, like, wondered, yay? Have you ever thought, like, okay, I don't want to be that evil, adulterous generation, amen? All right? So some people use this passage, all right? This is our first contentious passage. And, and they use it as a scripture to teach that we should not seek after signs and wonders. Why? Well, because Jesus has just told us that it's an evil and it's an adulterous generation that seeks after signs. Now, some people might even, like this is, this is how contentious this issue is, some people might even come and challenge us as a church and say, we shouldn't even be preaching about miracles for the next month or two because then we will create this hunger in people and then people are going to start to seek after signs and wonders and it's an evil and it's an adulterous generation that Jesus said that seek after signs and wonders. Are you with me? So we shouldn't be preaching about it. We shouldn't really even be talking about it. And we shouldn't be building faith and expectation for it. However, all right, let's look at this passage in context and really understand what Jesus was saying here. Amen? So whenever you look at the Bible, one thing we've got to do is we've got to look at Scripture in context. What does that mean? We've got to look at the entire passage. We've got to look at the scenario, the setting, who he was talking to, why he was saying the things he was saying. So let's just, you've got your Bible open, I hope. Rewind just a few verses to verse 9. Okay? Let's just, so we can get an idea of the context of what was happening in this passage. Sorry, can I just grab yours? Woo! I need a miracle. <laughs> Then Jesus went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the Lord permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping that he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. Verse 11, and he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man held out his hand and it was restored. Just like the other one. Isn't Jesus amazing? But I want you to see like the setting here. It says, um, this was... All right, the, the Pharisees were coming to Jesus in the, in the setting, and they were challenging him. They wanted him to do something wrong. They were upholding their traditions more than the Word of God and more than faith. And Jesus just does this to them, you know? Stretch out your hand, bro. And the guy is healed right there in that moment. I mean, this is like a declaration of war from Jesus. Like, he is, he's like, he's like I'm, I'm doing this in your sight. So what's actually happened here? A miracle a sign, a wonder has been performed in front of the eyes of who? The Pharisees. Okay, let's just go forward a little bit. Let's go to uh, verse 15, all right? Then it says, but Jesus knew that what they were planning because they wanted to kill him. So he left that area and many people followed him. He healed how many people there? 
all the sick among them. Okay. All right. Would you say that that's a sign and a wonder and a miracle? Like every sick person out of all these multitudes following Jesus get healed. Let's go forward a little bit more. Let's go to verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see, and the crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Now, it's after that that then the Pharisees come and the scribes together, who actually they weren't friends, but you know, you know you're in trouble when your enemies start, start joining forces. <laughs> scribes and the Pharisees come together and they ask Jesus for a sign. Now question, what sign were they looking for? I mean, he's just healed a man's withered hand in front of them. He's just healed a crowd of people that were, had sicknesses in them. And now he's healed this guy who was blind and mute, and was, who was demon-possessed. He's cast out the demon and he's restored him to sight. And now they're still saying, we want a sign. Does this help you like, understand this passage that Jesus, now Jesus is gonna address this issue. He's gonna address these people who've seen so much and they still want a sign. What is going on with these Pharisees and these scribes? Well, what is happening, well, their condition is a hardness of heart. They are not going to believe no matter what Jesus does. And they, they are so puffed up with pride that they think that God must do what they want when they want, and then they will believe God. Kind of like Satan in the temptation of Jesus. What does he come to Jesus with the first thing after 40 days of fasting? What's the first thing he goes for? He says, if you are the Son of God, like if you are who you think you are and who you say you are, then make these stones into croissants. <laughs> did I say it in church? I did, eh? Croissant. Mm. <laughs> you know, he comes where we're weak, all right? <laughs> like bread, croissants, after fasting for 40 days. But no notice the thing. If you are the Son of God, then just do this thing for me. Jump through this hoop for me. You know, I've, I've spoken to atheists over the years who they have got no intention of believing in God. And they, they argue with me and they say things like, like, oh, if Jesus is real, why doesn't God just write Jesus in the sky? Jesus is Lord. Come on, tell your God to do that. And there's, there's actually, have you heard that before? Hey, just, just tell God, God must do this. God must jump through this hoop. And what they're doing is they're ignoring the revealed evidence that already exists of God in creation. They're ignoring the revealed evidence of the Bible and the historicity of the Gospels. They're ignoring the evidence of their own conscience and they're choosing disbelief and they want God to do what they want them to do. This is the attitude that Jesus is attacking here. This is the attitude that he's coming against. And this is the people that he's saying an evil and adulterous generation seek a sign. Let me just answer the question. What, what if Jesus just did what they, what they wanted? Would it have solved anything? It wouldn't, hey. Because maybe they'll go, oh, okay, all right, today, Messiah. But then tomorrow, there's a new thing we want you to do. 
Now, can you do this because Elijah did that? Or do, you know what I mean? There's, they, they, and again, they're going to withhold devotion. Again, they're going to withhold their faith. Why? Because there's no intention in them to submit to God and believe God. There's no, there's, they're just laden with pride. And, he's, and, he's, and he calls them evil because they're so puffed up with pride. And he calls them adulterous because actually they're more in love with their traditions and their customs than they are in truth. And so they're evil and adulterous, and they're the ones who just want God to perform for them. And this is who Jesus is talking about. Go with me to Apostle, uh, the Acts, Acts chapter 4. Let's go there. Acts chapter 4. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. I want to contrast that community of people, those specific people that Jesus was talking about, with another community. Verse 29 to 30. So this is like after Jesus has ascended, the disciples are going out preaching the word. They're getting thrown into prison. They're getting threatened. They're getting beaten. They come together and they have this prayer meeting. So what we're doing is we're jumping into a prayer meeting right now. And we're looking at what they were praying in this prayer meeting. So here's this church. We're looking at their prayers. And it says in verse 29, Oh Lord, Hear their threats and give us, your servants. Can you say servants? Great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with what? Healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So here's a community who are what? A community of servants. They, they are submitted to God, and they are asking for healing power, miraculous signs and wonders. They're asking God. This is their prayer. Lord, stretch out your hand. Let healing power go forth. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of Jesus. My question to you, are they an evil and adulterous generation? Because they are seeking signs here. No, we know they're not. Why? Well, because if you just carry on reading the rest of the chapter, you'll see that God shakes the room with power, and they all get out of that room full of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God manifests through their lives, so much so that even they're laying the sick on the streets just so that Peter's shadow can touch them, and, and they're getting healed. God answers their prayer. He approves of their heart for signs, wonders, and miracles. Why? Because they weren't skeptics on attack. They were servants on assignment. I'll say that again. They weren't skeptics on attack. They were servants on assignment. And herein is where we see the purpose of miracles. This is where we see that the purpose of miracles, that there is a purpose to miracles. And what is it? It's to advance the gospel firstly and glorify God. They want Jesus to be glorified. They want Jesus to be famous. I want you to notice something here that this is not so that my ministry can grow, Lord. This is not so that I can be invited onto TV, Lord. No, they said, may these signs and wonders be done so that Jesus is going to be glorified. Amen. They're servants on a, an assignment. They are there to advance the gospel and glorify God. 
They are servants on assignment. They are about the glory of God. So if you are about advancing the gospel, and if you are a servant on assignment, then I want you to see here that miracles are something that we can ask for in prayer, that we can pray for them, that we can expect them, that we can then step out and even pray and, and, and expect God to move and do what we've asked him to do. You know, when John the Baptist was having his moment of doubt, he was in prison, he sent his disciples to Jesus, and he said, ask Jesus if he's the one or we should expect another. And what was Jesus' reply to John the Baptist's disciples? Go tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus doesn't say, go tell John that I graduated as a rabbi, that I have a degree in theology, that I am well-versed in the scriptures, that I am a holy man who hasn't done anything wrong. No, what did he say? Look at my credentials. What are my credentials? The signs, the wonders, and the miracles that I'm performing. I am the anointed one. Miracles are there to authenticate the message. Miracles are there to authenticate the message of Christ. I mean, Jesus even himself said in John 10, he said, if, don't believe me if I don't do the works of my Father. But if I'm doing these works, then at least believe for the sake of the works, even though you don't like me. That's what he said to them. So miracles are there to authenticate and advance the gospel, to glorify God, and they're for us if we're servants on mission. John in his gospel gives us such a perfect picture of the purpose of miracles. He finishes his gospel in John, and this is what we're going to be going through. We're going to be going to John for the rest of this month and February, so I would encourage you, pull out the gospel of John, start to read it in your devotions, because we're going to start preaching on it. But John gives us this framework for miracles here. He goes on and says this. He says, so wait, this is chapter 20 of the Gospel of John. After he's recorded, you know, the turning the water into wine, healing the blind, the blind, he's recorded all these miracles of Jesus. And then he says, Jesus went on to do many more miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even included in this book. But all that is recorded is here. Why? so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God, and that through your faith in Him, you will experience eternal life by the power of His name. There couldn't be a better framework for why miracles. Look at it. It's there. Jesus did so many miraculous signs, but I've just recorded some of them for a purpose, so that you would believe that He is the Messiah. Miracles are there to authenticate the message. I want you to think about all the people in your life who do not know Jesus. I want you to know that they are a target for miracles. <laughs> you know, I used to love like leading these discipleship groups in these student residences and like very new believers, like believers like where they, you know when you open the Bible and they're like, what, what is like Matthew and when it says 13 and then dot, dot, 26, what is that? 
like that new. You know what I mean? Like they don't understand verses or anything. Like they don't know old, new. They know nothing, right? And it's amazing how many times we'll be out at the end of the time of like discipleship, I say, so what do you have need of in your life right now? What do you need prayer for? And I'll be like, my mom's sick. We're like, okay, let's pray. And then they phone me the next day. Mom got healed. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's amazing how miracles are unlocked over new believers and those who are searching and genuinely seeking God. God, why? Well, because they're there to authenticate the gospel. They're there to go, He is the wonder working God. He is the Messiah. He is the God who heals. He is who this, the same God as I read about in the Bible. That's, it's meant to build that faith in people's lives. They authenticate the message. In Mark 16, 20, it says, The disciples went everywhere and preached, servants on assignment, and, they, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. What did God do? Confirmed. This is truth. This is the right. This is the truth of life. This is who Jesus really is. Well, how did he confirm it? He confirmed it with the miraculous. Guys, I want you just to expand your understanding of God this morning. I want you to expand just your understanding of the power of God and the purpose of God and, and start to see that nothing has changed since those days. You could be that disciple who's going everywhere telling people about Jesus and God can be confirming what you say through many miraculous signs. Can you say amen? amen. You can be that. This can be your life. And I think this should be our life, eh? By the end of these, like, whatever, eight weeks or nine weeks we're going to go through, like, let this be our lives, guys, where we are just seeing God do miraculous signs. Why? So we can be amazing? No, so that this message can be confirmed and that people will believe and come to faith in Him. Hot potato number two. Are you ready? That was number one. We're not evil and we're not adulterous for preaching about miracles, Okay. This is something that we can ask for and even expect in our lives. Number two, Matthew chapter seven. Let's go there. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, this is another hot potato when it comes to this topic. Jesus, in this passage, is clearly emphasizing eternal life. And, and that eternal life is not about what you can do for God, but about who you know. Eternal life is not about doing the works of God and not knowing Jesus. Eternal life is to know Jesus. It's to have a relationship with Him. And let's be honest, we are relationally dysfunctional people. We'd rather just have the power of God. We'd rather just have the things of God and do the works of God and not actually take the time to be with God and for Him to know us and us to know Him and abide with Him. It's all about relationship, okay? So Jesus is emphasizing that. However, what happens then is, as Christians, sometimes we adopt an attitude that says, well, okay, you know, 
I'm never gonna trust for signs and wonders. What we're gonna do is we're just gonna make sure that people have a relationship with Jesus. Because there's this danger here. Like what if, you know, what if like they, they, they go and do all this stuff, but then at the end of it, they, they're not saved. They, they, they're not, you know, don't enter into eternal life. So what we're gonna really do is we're not gonna focus on the miracles thing. We're just gonna focus on the relationship thing. And this is sometimes churches can get there because it's just like, you know what, let's just make sure we get the number one right. But I want you to notice in this passage that Jesus is not asking us to choose one or the other. He's just showing us the correct order of things. He's not saying one over the other. He's, he's telling us that it's relationship first, correct order. Make sure that your relationship with him is secure. But if you look at everything else he teaches about signs and wonders and how much he wants his church to be empowered, wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with power. Then you will be my witnesses. Greater works will you do. Why? Because I go to the Father, John 14. So there's definitely this desire that we would go out and do these works. Ephesians 2.10 says we were created to do good works. There's this desire to see us stepping into the miraculous, doing the miraculous. He even rebuked his disciples for not being able to do miracles. If he rebuked them, I think he might rebuke us too. Come on! Let's be honest. So there is this desire in him for us to step out in faith and do miraculous things. He gets kind of upset when we don't, but what he's saying here is he's emphasizing order. Make sure that you're not one of these people who's just running out doing all the first thing is that you have relationship with me. Bill Johnson says the following. He says, if those who don't have a relationship with Jesus can do miracles, then what is your excuse? And I think that's quite powerful. We must do the works that Jesus did. In Mark chapter 16, it says, these signs will follow those who believe. Amen? So what is the purpose of miracles? To advance the gospel and glorify God. They are for servants on assignment. And I wanna add one more thing here and we'll close. And that is to bless and empower God's covenant people. I don't want us to leave here today just thinking that it's all about being on assignment and all about just that and that you can't actually, as his covenant person, expect a miracle in your own life. God wants to bless and he wants to empower his covenant people. We've just read that passage in Matthew where Jesus said, isn't this man more valuable than your sheep that fell in a ditch. And he performed this miracle. What was Jesus doing? He was putting value on his people. For somebody who was suffering, for somebody that was going through something difficult, he was putting value and he was saying this. He was saying, my miraculous power is to put right whatever is wrong in their lives. My miraculous power is there to bless and empower this person. And I want you to know that Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees the same thing. He sees value. You're a value. In fact, there's this story where this 
this woman wants her child to be healed and she keeps badgering Jesus and badgering Jesus. And then eventually she says to her, woman, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. What was Jesus saying in that moment? He was saying that miracles, deliverance, provision, power is the children's bread. My, my kids don't have to worry about food. That's my job. That's my job. That's the, it's their right as kids to be fed. Can we agree on that? Just because they're my children, they, they don't even have to ask me, <laughs> and we know this very well, if they want something out the fridge. They just go for it. Out of the covers, they go for it. Why? Because it's theirs. All right? It's, it's our provision for them. And boy, can they eat now. Let me tell you something. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> Where does that all go? But, but, they, but it's, it's their right as kids. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying that the miraculous power of God is yours. It's your right as a child of God. It's your bread. It's what He provides. It's what's available. It's like, of course it's for you. I mean, this guy, you know, he's standing before, of course it's for him. You know, and he says to this woman, it's, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And this woman says something so smart. She says, yeah, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She wasn't a Jew. That's why Jesus said that to her. And what she was saying is, actually, I know what you're talking about. Yes, all these covenants, all these promises, they are for the children. They are for the Israel. However, there have always been throughout history those who are outside of the covenants who come close. And God said in His Word that if the stranger joins himself, they are to be included with that. We are those strangers that through Christ have been included in the covenants of promise. Galatians goes on to tell us that all the inheritance, everything that Jesus had is ours in Christ. Even though we are, we are Gentiles, we are, believe, we are not Jews, everything that Christ purchased is available to us because we have joined ourselves to Christ. They're ours. It's our inheritance. I always say this, the Christian life is this, it's a life that should not add up. It shouldn't add up. When you look at like, okay, we've got this much money, but look at the house we have or the car we drive. Or, you know, we, we've, we've only, I've, I've only got this education, yet I'm an executive in this business. You know, it's this level, but I only have this much education. Everybody else is going through the, everybody else had to go through, but it doesn't add up. When I look at what I have today and what's, where I come from, it doesn't add up. That is the life that we're called to as Christians. We are called to walk in this miraculous power of God. The provision of God is there for us. God wants to bless and empower His covenant people. So we can stand to our feet. I'm, I'm done this morning. In Scripture, what we notice is there's, there's actually four categories of miracles. They are miracles of a nature where, you know, we see Jesus walking on water. It's where we see him speaking to the storm and saying, be still, peace, be still. Then we see miracles of provision where there's finances being, you know, go, go. You need, you need to pay tax. 
go fish, Peter. And in a fish's mouth, you're going to find a gold coin and use that and go pay. The, you know, like crazy, amazing miracle of provision. Um, then we see miracles of healing. And then we see miracles of people being set free. And I want you just to just look at those categories this morning and look at where, where do you need a miracle? Where, where do you need to see the power of God? Is it in the area of provision? Are you looking at your student fees this year? Are you looking at the increase in interest rates and how you're going to pay that bond? Are you, where, where, are you needing to start a business? Are you needing to step out this year? Are you needing a car? Are you needing a house? What, what is your provision need? Needing a promotion? Just heard a testimony this morning from C about how she just got promoted. Praise God. You know, or maybe it's a provision of healing. Healing in your heart. Physical healing. Healing in a relationship between husband and wife or in your kids or some sort of healing power of God just to come in and correct something that's wrong. Or maybe there's a setting free miracle that you need. Just bothered by depression or demonic oppression or something like that. Something in your life where you just need to be free from this anxiety or this, this stress or you need to be set free. You're plagued continually by a poor self-image or fear, fear of the future, fear of failure, or something like that. I want you to know this morning that we serve a miracle-working God. This is who He is. He's the same then as He is today. Miracles didn't stop with Jesus. They're still happening every single day, all around the world. Where is your area of need this morning? I want you to know that you are a covenant child, and He wants to bless you. He wants to empower you. He wants to set you free. He wants to heal you, and He wants to show Himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Wherever you are this morning, whatever your need, can you just lift it up to heaven this morning? Just lift up your hands. What is the miracle? Can you see the miracle working God? Can you have faith this morning that He can do it for you? Father, I pray right now for just your spirit to come on us as a people. Lord, I pray for breakthrough. I pray for healing. I pray for provision. I pray for a setting free this morning. Come Holy Spirit and do miraculous wonders amongst us. Stretch out your hand and do signs and wonders that Jesus may be glorified in our lives, that Jesus may be glorified, that our faith in Him might be built Come, touch, heal, deliver, set free, provide. You need a miracle in your business, lift it before Him. 
and just say, I need a miracle. In your relationship. You're a miracle working God. You're a miracle working God. Come take your glory in our midst, God. Come take your glory in our midst, Lord. Be glorified in our midst, Lord. You want to bless, you want to empower your people. Send the diare la la, send la la la, send the diare la 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 la, send the la 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 la, send the la man ne ne we praise you. Father, we know that the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. And if there's anybody here who has not yet surrendered their life to Jesus and they feel more like the woman who was coming and asking, knowing that she wasn't yet entered into that covenant that was the children's portion. If that's you and you're here today and and you haven't yet yielded your life to Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you feel so distant and so far, and you wanna come back to the Father, let's just take this moment and respond to that. And you can respond by raising your hand and saying, I wanna come back to the Father, or I wanna give my life to Jesus for the first time. I want to enter into that covenant relationship. So Father, I thank you for your sons and your daughters around this room who are coming back to you or who have never yet embraced the relationship of being a son and daughter of the Most High. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray over them right now. I pray as they pray in their hearts to be forgiven of their sin, to put their trust in Jesus and to turn from all that they know is wrong and to turn fully towards you, towards your word, towards your community of people. I thank you that they, they go from that place that is dark and they come into a glorious and marvelous light. Yes, yes, yes. 
I thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today yes, is the day hallelujah. of new beginnings. Today is the day of a fresh start. And I bless your children in the name of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.